Good day, my friends, and welcome to the Craig Shapiro Tennis Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by the legendary Sergio Tacchini, brand worn by John McEnroe, Vitas Garolitis, Novak Djokovic, and Gabriella Sabatini. Check them out at SergioTacchini.com and use the code SHAP30 in all caps to receive 30% off of your order. Today's guest was born and raised in Paris, France, and took an unusually academic route to pro tennis and has grinded on tour for the past decade. In 2014, she got to 135 in the world and played Serena Williams in her first round match at Roland Garros. She is now the host of Tennis Channel's original series, Academy Life, an immersive experiential show featuring the world's premier tennis academies. Alizé Lim is today's guest. So do I have it right? You're in Paris. Yes, I am in Paris. And do you have any interesting plans for the back end of the year? This is normally the off-season, but I think that there is no off-season for you. Is that right? There's a little bit of an off-season, but it's not really an off-season. So I'm not going to go for a full year on the tour and playing professional tennis, but I'm, I'm practicing these days because I have some tournaments in France coming up. So you're in the City of Light for the Christmas time, and you're playing some smaller French tournaments, correct? They are smaller because you don't have to play as many matches, but I'm actually going to play a girl who is 150 in the world in the semis. And the week after, I'm playing someone who's top 100. So it's not that smaller level, though. <laughs> That's tough tennis. Young woman you hear has been 135 in the world, has been part of French tennis for quite some time now, and is the new host of a big show for the tennis channel that is called Academy Life. And that's Alizé Lim. As you know, we do a five-set format. The first set is the off-the-court report. I want to ask you about the show. I think that the Tennis Channel really, you know, knocked it out of the park with these peak inside of the most premier academies in the world. How was your experience on the show? Oh, I loved it. I think it's so cool, and it's going to keep going, hopefully. I mean, when I was little, my dream was going to an academy and I couldn't because it's just so expensive for parents to send your their kids to academies. So it was a bit of a dream. If you want to be a champion, you have to go to the academy. You have to go to bully chair. This is something I had in my head. So it's a little bit of a like kid's dream that I can't, that I can achieve now as an adult. So it's super exciting every time we go somewhere and I have a great team around me, I have to say. They're doing a really good job. It's very good quality. I mean, this is my opinion. Maybe I'm not objective, but but yeah, so I, I absolutely love it. I've seen episodes of the show in advance of them airing, and you've been to Magnus Norman's Academy. You've been to the Moritoglu Academy. You've been to Tip Saravich's Academy. You've been to Nadal's Academy. And, you know, for those of us that grew up in tennis, it's it's a fun thing to see these places because it really is like the dream right to be able to go practice at these places it is the dream and i can tell you even for someone who's playing on the tour it's always such a curiosity if you're passionate about tennis because you learn so much about the different ways of coaching the different ways of of seeing tennis of building some business of like how the country and the mentality of the country 
plays a role into how you are going to raise some players into tennis. So that's super interesting. And I hope we're going to go to other continents too, because I'm super curious about some places I have no idea about how they do train in Asia, for example, you know? No, I thought it was outstanding. I really was fascinated by Magnus Norman and that whole Swedish program, not to spoil the show, but Magnus talks about getting the goal being for the player to become self-coached to be able to sell to coach himself or herself yeah he he does talk about it they really want the players to have thoughts to think themselves about what they have to do on the court and I think that's that's actually very different from what you see around so that was super interesting about what he said yeah and I think it's I think it's a Swedish mentality and you know you interacted with a young Russian girl there and it just like I, you know, I could see that you were really sort of drinking in the program, right? You were talking to the mental coach and you were talking to the fitness coach. You participate in the fitness program. And it seemed like you were extremely engaged. Yes, this is what I want to do for people to see exactly what it's like. You have to see every part and every aspect of the academy and kind of pretend like if you were actually going there, what it would be like, what, what, what can it bring to you? What is special about this academy? And yes, meeting that girl, Dasha, who was 15 years old. It's really, I think it's really interesting for people to see also how you can be away from your family at such a young age when you play tennis and you just have to FaceTime your parents every day and just be going to do your job out there every single day. So, yes. Well, another thing that I really, I'm still kind of thinking about was, you know, Tip Saravich, Yanko, being on the court at his program and really explaining kind of a new way of moving on the court. That everything that we've learned or that, you know, you learn about sort of split stepping and then sliding back needs to change in order to be faster to the ball. I mean, it seemed like your mind yeah. was kind of going crazy. <laughs> like trying to figure out how to make that split and then cross back over to get back into the court quicker. Yeah, he's so intense about it. Like you can tell he spent hours thinking about it and it's really important for him to share about it. And he also, I think, wishes that he had those keys when he was a player. And yeah, for me, it was it was tough to to, to wrap my head around everything he was saying just because... The split step is something I haven't thought about since I was 12 years old. And all of a sudden you have to rethink everything you think is automatic in your game. And you realize it's not that easy. <laughs> as simple as it sounds, it's really not that easy. And then he adds a little thing after a little thing. And all of a sudden you feel like you're starting to learn tennis from zero. But every everything he says does make sense. And when you see Roger play, of course, I agree with him. The technique of his footwork is really like perfect and so good and you can you can tell and I really identify to what uh, Yanko says that he was extremely fast and extremely extremely good physically but was getting tired very fast just because he didn't have that very fluid technique that Roger has and I had that problem too so I'm like yes can I work on that please <laughs> were there ever any moments during the filming that made you think that <laughs> if you had been doing some of these things you'd be better well i think that's the strength of these guys when they talk to you whether it's magnus or yanko or tony nadal 
they can convince you and you're like, oh my God, yes, I want to do this. I should do this. Why didn't I do this before? You know, and this, this is why they are good coaches too. And Patrick the same. So yes, in a way, yes. Some of, some of the things they were saying, I kind of wish it's not, it's not specific things, but it's more like, oh, yes, I wish I had that when I was young, like when I was 14, when I was 15, if I was in such a professional entourage and atmosphere with someone telling me things like this and teaching me things at an early age. <laughs> but I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not serious thoughts, you know, it's like, it's just because they're just that convincing, you know what I mean? <laughs> I do. Now, was anybody's courts better than anyone else's? Like, who had the nicest clay? I have to go with France, maybe just because I'm French, but because the Swedish clay is different. It rains a lot there, so they have to have a heavier clay so it dries faster and you can play in the rain, which is not the case in France. But the feeling is a little bit different. And I'm more used to the, the clay in French, in France, sorry. So I think I would have to say Martoglu. But also I didn't try the clay. I didn't try the clay at Nadal's Academy. And I, I played on hardcore there. And I didn't try the clay at the Tipsarevich Academy. So I can't really judge. You did not play on the clay at Tipsarevich? No, I played on hardcore there. Yeah. How did it look? Did it look nice? Yeah, it, it, did, did? it did look nice, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Tipsarevich is not very big. It's small, it's not that many courts, but you can tell, like for me, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, like the, the mentality and the work you're gonna put in with the right person is gonna be enough and it, you don't need 50 courts next to each other to build up a champion's career. And Yanko's a cool, cool guy. I mean, there's nobody with more charisma than him, really. <laughs> yeah, he's, I've, yeah, you know, like I saw Patrick first and I thought, oh, well, I I, I, never, I don't think you can see anyone else be so passionate talking about tennis. And then you meet Yanko and it's like, oh, it's the same level of passion. It's just in a different way. And it just goes on and on like this, because when you meet Tony, it's the same. You're right there on the court talking with Tony Nadal. I mean, Uncle Tony, I mean, it's just an incredible thing. Is that facility as nice as it looks on TV? It's very nice and actually played some tournaments there two years ago or a year and a half ago and it wasn't there. So it's brand new. The indoor clay courts are brand new. They're still building their, they really are growing up as in, like the site is growing up and it's getting, they have everything. It's, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's huge. And yes, being on the court with Tony was very special. I think it was maybe my favorite moment so far but just also because maybe he's the one character that i didn't really know listen congratulations on the show i i hope you go to all the other academies i hope you go to south america i hope you come to the states i hope you you know i hope you do it all i think that's fun thanks i hope too it's it's very interesting let's move into the second set this is the on the court report just today, we had some interesting news out of France. We that Amélie Moresmo is going to be the tournament director of the French Open. Did you learn that news the same way we did today? I did, and it's actually funny because I was practicing last night, and we were talking about the fact that Guy resigned, and my coach said as a joke, "Oh, maybe it's going to be Amélie." And then I saw it pop up on my news today, so that's really I didn't know anything about it. Do you have relationships with them or Guy and Guy Sarge, yes. I know him well, but Amelie, no. You don't know Amelie? Guy's around, he's in Paris, so he, he hits sometimes at the Federation. And of course, when I've been at Roland Garros around for 
some years, so I see him around, and yeah, I really like him, to be honest. Emily, I have, I don't know her at all. I mean, I, I see her, I say hi to her, but I never really spoke to her. Was Guy resigning a derivative of the controversy that happened at last year's uh, Roland Garros when Naomi, you know, left the tournament? Was that derivative of that? No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think at all. I think it's completely different. I think it's something political. It's political and we will never know. <laughs> but I think it has nothing to do with the tournament itself or what happens with the players. It's really about the French Federation. Do you train at Roland Garros? Yeah, this is our national site and this is where I've been training for mm, six years, seven years. Are you there now? Is that where you are? Yes, this is where I am. It's like five minutes walk from where I'm sitting right now. <laughs> You're right there. I am. I'm almost on the court. <laughs> Incredible. And how many indoor courts are there at, at Roland Garros? So Roland Garros doesn't have indoor courts, but we have the National Tennis Center. So just like in, in Australia, they have NTC just next to the Melbourne match courts. So we have our NTC, let's say, with seven indoor courts. Okay. Hard indoors. But they also have a deal with Jean Bois, who's another club across from the court, who's a practice site as well. And they have a lot of, they have like, uh, I don't know, six or eight uh, clay court indoors. Who are some of the players you've seen over there since you've been over there this week? Oh, this week, I didn't see so many people. No. I didn't see so many people I saw. I, I don't think, no. <laughs> um, it's been quiet anything. okay it's young no it's it's not that quiet it's just like it's mostly young players mm -hmm. now it's like juniors a lot of juniors fiona farrow wasn't over there nobody fiona Ferro is coming this week i mean next week because i saw Jean paris who used to be number one junior clara burel was there too and i know that i was setting up some practice with jan and she told me she was going to hit with fiona so she has to be around and also Pauline Parmentier now stopped tennis and she's now the head of women's tennis in France. So you see her around, but in a different job, doing a different job. Pauline Parmentier retired. She did, yes. Okay. She's the head of women's tennis. How are you feeling about French tennis at the moment? Women or men? You can start with the women, the ladies first. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. I'm, I'm always positive. I don't know if it's because it's if it's my personality, but we have some... We have some great players coming up who were really good in juniors. Clara, Jan are playing really well. So I'm sure these girls are going to have a great career. And for sure, we're going to have some more players that are going to be at the top level. But I talked to Pauline and I saw there's not that many really young girls practicing there anymore. And she told me it's been tough with the COVID and everything. And they don't have that many girls coming up. But, you know, I was watching the other day. They were they invited at the NCC a lot of under 12 like some 12 year old girls and I'm watching that and I'm really thinking what can you say what can you say at this age seriously like there's there's no one you can tell oh she's better she's going to be good like it's there's just the road is so long so I really really can't say anything Mary Pierce carried the flag for a long time now it seems like you know maybe Kiki Mladenovic is still a very dangerous player certainly in doubles but she had a good moment. Caroline Garcia did too. And Carol Garcia, of course, has had a... Has Caroline been. and Kiki have had some great careers already and they're still pretty young. I mean, they're 27, 28. And we all know that nowadays you can have your best moments of your career at this age. So 
I mean, the best might be to come for these girls too. And Fiona is playing well too, so. So you'll finish this year. What happens to you and your tennis starting 2022? I have no idea. I can tell you that I have a tournament next week and one the week after that. But then, yeah, I'm going to play some tournaments, but I don't know exactly which ones. I don't think I'm going to go for a full year on the tour. But I still want to have some competition in my life. So I'm definitely going to still keep keep practicing, keep having a good level, hopefully not be injured and play some matches, which matches I have no idea, but I will. Alizé Lim is going to keep her feet on the court. Yes. Keep cracking balls in the in the immediate. Yes. Let's move into the third set. This is the portion of our show where we talk about your career. Where does your tennis begin? My tennis begins with my parents when I'm a baby because they were playing every weekend and they, they would just bring me there and I have older brothers and sisters who were playing. So as soon as I could pick up a racket, I did. And I was begging my parents to make me hit some balls. And you grew up in Paris. I did, yes. Was there a particular club that you, you you grew up at? I guess I'm curious to know, how did you get good? I have no idea. <laughs> no, it was really random. I have a very random story. I mean, I just lived with my parents, but they had no idea about tennis or professional tennis or tournaments or anything or rankings, nothing. It, it really just happened like that. I, I played week on the weekends with them. And one day they decided, oh, we can try play tournaments. I don't even know why I should ask my mom, but they just randomly just signed me up for a tournament and I won it. And then, okay, let's play second one. And I won the second one. And then I won three tournaments like this. And next thing you know, the regional, region, how do you say, like the department league, it's called the league. Regional, regional. Yeah, regional. The regional league is calling you to offer some practice on Wednesday afternoons and so you go there and you're a little bit closer to the professional world because the girls already stopped tennis, uh, sorry, stopped school and are doing homeschooling and practicing every afternoon. So you discover a little bit of that and then you keep going year after year. And then next thing you know, I've, you finish high school and then you have to make a choice and you're passionate about tennis. But hold on a second. Like, did you I did was... you play um, the Orange Bowl? Did you play Junior Wimbledon? Did you play? No, no. You're shaking your head. No, like I played in. Like none of that, none of that whatsoever. I was playing, I was going to normal school from Monday to evening until the end of high school. So I had a normal life until I finished high school. But to my normal life, you could add that I love tennis and I tried to stay at a good level in France. So I would play the French tournaments and like I played a few international tournaments when I was 15 or 16, but just when they were on, during the holidays, the school holidays. So that's it. Oops, sorry. So yeah, there was no professional career whatsoever inside my head or my parents. No head. Le Petit A, no, no big... Le no. Petit Zas, I played, I think, pre-qualies or something, but just because the pre-qualies were close to my place. And then I went, I won, so I went to the qualies, but it was just really... It was random, you know, it's just because it was just there, but I wouldn't go to the next tournament, which would take place in another country. But how do you get to 135 in the world? When was the moment that you thought you could be a pro tennis player? Well, it took me a long time. <laughs> well, so I just knew one thing that when I finished high school, I didn't want to stop tennis. That's all I knew. So it's not... I want to be a professional player, but I don't want to put tennis on side. So 
I'm like, okay, I'm not going to go and study full time just because I don't want to start tennis. So you are like, okay, I'm going to practice more. And then you start having the level in the French rankings and you see the girl going on the tour to play some matches, some ITF. So you're like, oh, what is ITF? So you go and try one, try two. And then you start traveling in Belgium, just like close to France and you get into it and that's it. And then you're, so I was, hold on I a second. So was, I'm sorry. You, so you, you choose not to go to college. I did. I did college. I did both. <laughs> it's complicated. If you want, I don't want to be too long. That's why like, I'm trying to make it short, but no, I don't, I, don't, I, I, I want to listen, you know, the, 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 sometimes the devil's in the details. If, if you did an interesting thing, I mean, everyone's path is very interesting to us. Our show, we like we like to hear it. But, okay. Yeah. So, okay. So I, I finished high school and I'm like, I don't want to stop tennis. It's too much of my passion. But for me and for my parents, it's not a job because we don't know anything about professional sport. And my parents are very much into studying. So I get this deal with the best school in France called HEC it's like the best business school it's really hard to go there you have to study for two years go, go through some really tough exams to get in there into the school and I get a deal with them and they tell me you can do three years of that other it's called like it's it's another college but like public college and it's easier you can do that you can choose whichever subject you want and then you come in our school so that was enough for my parents to let me go and play because they're like, okay, your future is reassured. Like we know where you're going. So you do this. And I picked English just because English was my favorite subject. And it was, I thought the easiest. So the one that would take me less time. So for three years, I did that and I played tennis. I started like building up a little bit, playing some tournaments abroad, playing some ITFs. And then I finished this, those three years. And for me now, I use those three years of jokers, let's say, for tennis and it was time for me to get to the, the, the real studies to go into that really good business school I told you about except I played the whole summer and I was 300 so I'm like I don't want to wow. go there anymore I want to play the tour you got to 300 then, yes I got I, I was 500 at the beginning of the summer and I was 300 after the summer so already at the beginning of the summer I thought okay maybe now I can get into the federation and ask them to, to coach me and I've, so I played by myself the whole summer and traveled and I was free of any kind of studies. And so in September, I was like, okay, I'm not going to school. I'm, I'm going to play. And the Federation said yes to, to coach me and to take me to their group. So that was enough for my parents because it, it was, I got their approval because Federation was legit. You know, it, it's like, it's not just like a girl who says, yeah, I don't want to study. I want to play tennis. So I went to the Federation. When and the French ten Tennis Federation paid attention it made your family pay attention. Exactly. But it's, yeah, it's, it's more like I, I gained their trust and came up with like a very solid plan, you know, like, okay, this is, look at this, this is serious now. So this is when my professional career started and I was 20 years old. By the time it actually started there and I entered the Federation, I was 20 years old. And then I did the normal thing like everyone else. <laughs> you mentioned in one of the shows where you're on the court with some of the juniors and you know, Magnus Norman, who's a major champion and a former world number four or two, he asked you something about your journey. And you said that you traveled alone for seven years and that your best result was when you got a coach attached. 
Yes, that um, you know, you start playing and it uh, it happens to a lot of girls. You want to play because it's a beautiful sport. It's amazing. It's you get so passionate about it, but then it's just so hard because you have to pay for a coach, you have to pay for all your expenses, and you need basically 10k a month or so to have a normal like to build up professionally. So I couldn't have that. <laughs> and for so many years, I was traveling alone. You need $10,000 a month to be a pro tennis player. If you want to travel with a coach, I would say yes. I mean, it depends where you travel. But if you want to go anywhere you want to and what's good for your schedule, it goes that fast. Yeah, you have to pay for your own flight tickets. You have to pay for your coach flight tickets. You have to pay for hotels, food, his salary. And you don't earn any money until you're in the top 100. So it's really just expenses and expenses and expenses. And I didn't have a sponsor and my parents couldn't afford that. So I was just traveling alone and trying to make to make my way up there by myself. So that's, the, that's what I did most of the time. And luckily I had some moments in my career where, where I could afford a coach. And then you find another problem just because money doesn't solve every problem. You have to find the right person too, because you're gonna travel with that person like this person's your boyfriend. You're gonna have breakfast, lunch, and dinner with that person. You have to you have to like them on the court. You have to like them off the court. I mean, this is how I felt because I'm not able to separate both, but some player, some people can, but, and yes, it's difficult to find the right person. And basically, how do you know if is someone the right person unless you try them? And trying someone means, okay, let's travel together and fly for 10 hours together and have breakfast tomorrow, This, which is very brutal in the normal life. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to do it just like you said in normal life. Forget about and then try to go win tennis matches, right? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I had, I think, twice when I peaked at 135 and 150 was when I had coaches. I didn't have to worry about money. I didn't have to worry about being alone. And I actually really understood what they wanted from me on the court. And we had a good relationship of the court. And that was enough for me to feel really good and confident. And this is when I had my best results. Did your agent play a, a strong role in helping you? You don't really get an agent until you earn some money. And to, I mean, for you to need an agent, you need to have some really big contracts that are going to bring some money. But that doesn't happen until you're top 50 maybe or unless you're like number one in juniors I was lucky enough because my best friend's father is an agent so he helped me and he gave me some contacts and he actually helped me hire some coaches yes injuries oh we're gonna be there until tomorrow <laughs> injuries would it be fair to say that your career has been marred by injuries I think, yes, to be honest, I think I had maybe at least for the past seven years, I've had only one normal season without injuries. It's just been so much. And the problem with tennis is that when you get injured, you go back from scratch because you lose points. So you lose your ranking and you can't just go back out there and you have to rebuild everything and it takes time and it takes more money from zero again. So so yeah, it's it's been pretty tough. I've had so many injuries. And it's tough because when you go to that MRI and they tell you, oh, you have this, you're gonna have stuff for like two, three months. You have nothing else. So you literally, your life just stops. It gets depressing. When I was watching the shows, I could see that you have a wrist taped up, your off wrist, right? Your left wrist. What What's given out on you? 
Oh my god, I had I twisted my ankles maybe like six times, like ankle sprains. I had I tore my abs maybe six times. I have scars like every centimeter. <laughs> I I had tears in my adductors five or six times. I had a hernia in my back. I had, yeah, recently my wrist. I had injections in my wrist. I've had like, I had an MRI two days ago. I have a bone bruise in my foot. I tore ligament in my foot. I had tendonites in my shoulder and my feet. <laughs> you laugh, but it, it's only kind of funny, right? When, you know, people I don't think understand how physical and how almost bad for the for your body tennis really is right <laughs> it's not almost it is bad for yeah. your body yeah when you play under 40 degrees celsius i don't know what that is in fahrenheit i'm sorry but it, when it's 40 degrees celsius and it's 80 percent humidity and you have to stay out there for three hours plus stress and you hit balls and you have to practice also for so many hours it is bad and it's it's asymmetrical too so yeah it's bad for your body but it's good for your mind what do you mean asymmetrical uh because you hit you know forehand and backhand you know just like you know your back is not that great yeah it's all in one side and always the same side you know what i mean right 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 it's a full body ruining experience when you're <laughs> when you're trying to be pro right yes well i see now some girls they're 13 years old and they have bone bruises and they're stopping for like really serious injuries or inflammations in their knees and i'm like Oof. i i had so many injuries but it started late when i was 20 at least <laughs> yes yes it's uh it's tough now i know that you want to keep staying playing will you try to take a role in the federation will you try to coach players will you try to be a broadcaster what's what what comes next for you i'm not gonna try and be a coach i this is this isn't this was never something that attracted me but i've been on the court with my boyfriend or some like my goddaughter and i get really into it <laughs> and i realized oh when you care about the person you actually really get into it so if that happens one day it's because of the person since you mentioned it your boyfriend wowed the NBA audiences here and worldwide for a lot of years. Tony Parker, I think you say Tony Parker in, in France, but uh, he, by all accounts, got to be the greatest French basketball player there's ever been. Is, is that true? He's playing tennis? Are you taking him out there? Oh, yes, of course. Yes, I'm, I'm coaching him. It's very serious. You know, they have this celebrity tournament in Paris, and I want him to play it one day and win it. <laughs> Is he is he getting better? Yes, he's getting better. He has very good forehands. He needs to work on the backhand, but he's getting better. He has a great potential. <laughs> what's his What's his level? I couldn't be able to say. I mean, we have some French rankings, so I could tell you with a French ranking, but that wouldn't mean anything to you. Is he like a B player, a B club player, an A club player? Is he? No, he started last year. Okay. He started doing COVID, so of course he's not like amazing like someone who's played since they were little but for someone who started last year you he can play like rallies 20 bulls i can actually practice with him i can put him in the corner and say make me run 
I just I just played to his forehand and he wow. just makes me run everywhere. That's a good effort. But I mean, listen, the guy's a world class athlete, right? Steve Nash plays, and I think we've all been a little bit amazed at how quickly they've picked up tennis. I mean, the guy's hitting kick serves and hits a pretty solid one handed backhand and, and whatnot. So maybe maybe we need an N- NBA All Star retirement tournament sooner than later. He actually. Actually, his teammate, Gino Billy, he plays too, and we play doubles with him. Manu, so Ginobili. Could, he could play that tournament too. Yeah. Is Ginobili a good player? Yeah, and he's lefty, so it's annoying. <laughs> oh, interesting. I think they're kind of the same level. Alizé's got the inside on the uh, NBA retirees that are taking up tennis. That's interesting. <laughs> Can you walk down the street without being bothered or is is he is he so famous that that doesn't happen i mean it happens sometimes but it's not like it's not like rafa or roger now <laughs> i mean i'm sure it was worse at the time but it's kind of okay but we don't really walk on the streets to be honest yeah <laughs> maybe maybe that's why <laughs> let's move into the fourth set this is the 10 ball scramble i just say it and you say what comes in your mind. It's we go fast, okay? Oh my God, I'm nervous. Well, don't go crazy. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Ready? Yeah. Your best moment in tennis. Oh my God, I shouldn't say that. Like I just, I just, my first, the things, first thing that came to my mind was mixed doubles at Roland Garros, but no, it has to be my match against Serena. You played Serena first round at Roland Garros. Yes, on center court after Roger. <laughs> So that was the most exciting moment of my career. You say that it kind of gives me the chills a little bit. I mean, what a what a moment, right? Yeah, you know, it, it was amazing. Like I have, yeah, it's just like what you dream of your whole life. So, yeah, my best moment for sure. Your toughest moment in tennis? Every every match, I was feeling lonely on the court and just like being a shadow of myself. Is mental health, is that a real thing, particularly with Naomi Osaka? Do you sympathize with, with her? I sympathize a thousand hundred, a hundred thousand person with her. It is a thing, and I'm so glad she talks about it because it's uh, it's really something that, I mean, I've experienced some tough moments, and I'm sure every single player can tell your story about it, for sure. So it's really good that a player like her, who's won slams, is brave enough to talk about it. And now it's, I think, I think also it's good because now some players are allowing, allowing themselves to take some breaks when they feel it coming. And it's not a shame anymore just because she, she talked about it. What were your impressions of what shook out last year at, at Roland Garros? Uh, when she didn't want to talk to the press, you mean? Yeah, when when she spoke to not wanting to do press conferences and then the majors were very, very harsh on her and she left the tournament. I think no one really knows what it's like to be in her shoes. So you shouldn't judge for sure. I I never had press like she did, so I can only imagine. But I had press for a little bit of time in my life about like something else, like uh, my book, for example. And it was a really tough experience. And I actually started canceling everything just because it was that traumatizing and the way journalists sometimes can be tough so I can only imagine when you're a superstar like her so I really sympathize with her and and the fact that she left so quickly I think it 
has to, to do something, it has something else to do than press. You know, if you don't want to play Roland Garros, it means it means you shouldn't be there because it's 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 the the the, the Grand Slams is what you you strive for. So it should be your little kid's dream out there. And if you feel like that, you shouldn't play. I really support that. Your favorite player growing up, Roger Federer. Your favorite player now, but growing. Roger Federer. No, now I like Roger and Rafa evenly. It's like me maturing. <laughs> is there a woman that you like to watch as a kid, or are there any women on the tour now that you you love watching play? I was admiring Martina Hingis a lot, and I had the chance to hit with her and be coached by her when I grew up when I was at Maratoglu Academy. So that was one of the best experiences too of my career. You've done a lot of cool stuff. Um, your favorite court could be any court in the whole world. Philippe Chatrier. Court Chatrier. I mean, you can't do much better than that. Uh, your biggest pet peeve in pro tennis. My what? Pet peeve. Uh, something that irritates you about pro What's tennis. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not pro tennis, but I hate when people who don't know anything about tennis start talking about it at dinners and judge oh it drives me crazy they have no idea they can like say oh this girl oh she never won a tournament she's so shit and they don't know what they're talking about oh my god you have no idea you wouldn't last for a second out there <laughs> your favorite tournament of all time australian open favorite city rio we live in a pretty good one so i'll give you rio that's not bad too <laughs> the best advice you ever were given Ooh, this is a serious question i don't want to answer that and then go to bed and think no i should have said that are you passing on that question <laughs> yeah it's too important and maybe i'll go back to that at the end where do you go for your tennis news where do you where do you ingest your your tennis news i just follow a lot of tennis news journalists slash medias on twitter and then i just open and see everything that's happening and i don't even pay attention to who and what posted i just get the news from there twitter twitter is where you go yeah and actually twitter for me is dedicated to tennis twitter for you is tennis that's it yes <laughs> and what about your instagram are there any instagram accounts that you are wildly entertained by my instagram so Twitter is for tennis. Instagram is for not tennis. So I don't like to follow too many tennis players just because it's like where my head wants to not think about tennis. But I do follow tennis TV because how can you not follow them? It's always nice to see the videos. Um, but I mean, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Alize Lim goes to Twitter for her tennis exclusively and no tennis except for tennis TV on Instagram. Pretty much it, yes. Let's move into the fifth set. This is the queen of the court. If you were the queen of tennis and you could make a change in tennis, in the sport, with just a swing of the racket, with no aggravation, what would you do? You mean like tennis in general? Like the rules or? You're the queen. You could do anything you want. And... Okay. I would give two months off to the player and would forbid anyone to create a tournament then. So it would force players to actually have some time off during the year. 
<laughs> what else would I do? If it's me playing <laughs> from myself, uh, maybe try to play one set <laughs> because it's too long to focus for three. <laughs> wow, you'd like to shorten matches to one set forever. One set forever. Yeah, but is that just for me to watch? I would want more. <laughs> but you know, maybe that's an interesting thing. Maybe maybe a one set tour would be kind of fun to see who would do the best right? in one set. Yeah. There would be less injuries too. Play players would stay healthy and maybe the, wow, you know what? This is one of the, we've not heard this. I've done over 130 interviews. You're the first one to come up with the one set tour. Because I always think about it when we practice, when we do practice sets, right? It's usually you play one set. You don't say, sometimes you say I'm going to play a match, but you say you play one set and it's like, Oh, it's like mentally less harassing. <laughs> For me, it's not a stuff to focus. And every time we're like, okay, there's 10 more minutes. Do you want to play two more games? And it's like, oh yeah. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's, I love, I love this. Uh, I love this answer. This is an interesting thing. A one set tour. I love a one set tour. Yes. One set tour. And two months break. <laughs> Alize Lim. I have to tell you, I didn't know much about you when we got this scheduled. Uh, I enjoyed every second of it. I thought we had a fascinating conversation. Good luck in your tournament. Thank you. And can you tell us when the Academy Life premieres? Do you have those dates? Do you know what the story is? Yeah, the third episode just aired yesterday. Did it, did it air domestically in the United States or just internationally? Do you know? So there's two more it's uh, it's not available in every country. You need to have the Tennis Channel app platform and you can't have it in France, for example, <laughs> but you can have it in the US. Yes, you can have it in Germany, UK. And, and also the first episode has aired on Tennis Channel on TV too. Again, congratulations on the show. I don't know, I guess get Tony to be a top level player. I think that might be a fun project for you. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> It's too much work. But yeah, a good player would be good enough. <laughs> Alize Lim, bon nuit. And you are released. Merci. Merci. Huge thank you to Alize Lim. And thank you to Sergio Tacchini. See them at SergioTacchini.com and use my code SHAP30 at checkout to receive 30% off of your order. Max Loeb edited the show. Our music is by Brian Senti. We'll be back next time with more of the most interesting voices in the sport. Until then, I'm Craig Shapiro and you are released. <laughs>